Is there a sleeper running back ready to wake up in the AFC South? How do the Raiders' new young receivers affect Darren Waller and what NFC South rushers just got put on notice? Plus, three-time football guys and six-time Dynasty FFPC League champion Craig Bodenmiller hops aboard to discuss Antonio Brown, Kenyon Drake's ADP, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Dave Gerzak is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Let's begin now. New cologne on. Feeling so good. Change the color to my phone. Orange Kool-Aid goes good with Patron. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Happy June to you, Rob, and thank you. Greetings and salutations to all of you Balkaholics and Gerzakin addicts. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, as always, your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, my co-host, is the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Coming up on tonight's show, we're going to look at whether a high-volume running back's low ADP means you should be scooping him up, and nine-time high-stakes league champ Craig Bodenmiller swings in to talk about why he's willing to take uh, take a chance on Stephon Diggs in Buffalo and much more. Uh, Shout-out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you might have in there. Uh, on Twitter, we are at HSFFR. I am at Eric Balkman. Dave is at David Gerzak. Craig is at Bodie24. That's B-O-D-E-Y-2-4. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where you can reach us at that social network. 347-426-3682-347. Game over if you want to give us a call. And, of course, football at gmail.com is the email address. You can send all of your questions. Our producer and mutual friend, Rob, my best friend, and audio engineer Bryce working diligently to get those questions, as well as the tweets and emails in the fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. Live events are a go if you missed it at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas coming up this September. So go ahead and register your FFPC main event under that early bird uh, promotion. Remember, $100 off your first team, $400 off each additional team. After that, the 2020 Football Guys uh, draft is uh, has been going on for probably a couple of months now, almost. Um, $500,000 grand prize, $3.1 million prize pool. That early bird promotion is live if you want to hook yourself up with a free $35 FFPC team credit up to three times. Make sure you're registering for that right now. And as always, Slim Leagues, Best Balls, uh, Terminator Satellites, uh, Superflex, all available at myffpc.com. We've got Dynasty Startups going on as well. If you're checking out podcasts, uh, don't forget, we had a new Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with, of course, um, Football Guys Players Championship League Champion, many times over Jeff Howell, FFPC Main Event League Champion Jeff Howell was on that. You can check that out at rotaviz.com slash podcast. We got into a lot of stuff. Jeff has actually drafted, much like Craig has, 
uh, has drafted a lot of football guys drafts this year. So if you're looking for the latest on strategy and ADP, that is certainly a good place to go to. And shameless plug on the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship podcast. Uh, Commissioner Farrell Elliott, who's the unofficial third co-host of this show, had me on this week for a one-on-one interview. Uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of great stories about the real Leroy on that. Of course, two Packer is mentioned, the Dizzle is mentioned, and uh, Kurt was mentioned as a former Kentucky uh, a champion. So a lot of good fantasy analysis as well as some story time on there as well. Dave, how in the heck are you doing tonight as we kick off our first HSFF hour in June of 2020? I'm great, man. How are you doing? Doing good. Excited to, to talk to Craig, uh, Craig tonight. We have a lot of stuff going on, uh, of course. And, and by the way, I should, well, you know what? I'm going to save that for the end of the show. I'm not going to mention it right now. Great. Even I'm surprised. Well, you, you know what's going on, but I'll, I'll, I'll let the listeners in on it topic is. later. What, for the show tonight? No, whatever the hell you're about to talk about. Yeah, you do. We'll talk about it later on because I don't want to drive listeners away from our podcast because I want everybody to tune in tonight. And uh, whatever else is going on, you'll be able to catch it later. Okay, thanks to Football Guys, Rob, and Roto World for tonight's rundown. I want to kick things off in Tampa. Greg Allman on Twitter has reported that Bruce Arians said 12 personnel Let is going to be the now. base. Had the fast fingers on that one. Sorry about that. Uh, my fault, Rob. He's giving me the glare right Should now. Show over? No, it's not. That was the intro, actually. Oh, is it starting? <laughs> yeah, it's starting. <laughs> Let's begin now. All right, so 12 personnel refers to formations featuring two tight ends on the field. Obviously, Rob Gronkowski is going to be a big part of that. And then either O.J. Howard or Cameron Brait is going to be out there along with Chris Goodwin, Mike, or, excuse me, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Ronald Jones or Kashawn Vaughn at running back in the starting lineup. So certainly this puts a little bit of a damper on Chris Godwin, once again, repeating what he did in 2019, but still going to have a good season, no doubt. The question here, Dave, and this is what I'll pose to you, O.J. Howard or Cameron Bray, who is more likely to rise up and get this other tight end spot next to Gronk, or are we likely to see these guys split the time at the position of the number two tight end in the Buccaneers, quote-unquote, starting offense? Well, I don't know. Did he say? He did not. Then I really don't know. Well, that's, that's my. How the hell am I supposed to? Well, I'm asking you what your opinion is on this. So, who do you think it's going to be? Is it going to be OJ? I, mean, I guess I would guess it was OJ Howard. I mean, he's the one who has the. Uh, he's being drafted earlier by drafters, so the consensus would be OJ Howard. He's the one who has the. You know, he was the higher draft pick. Uh, you know, Gronk could get hurt again. I don't really. I don't really put a whole lot of value into Bray in general. I mean, he gets. He, he, he gets drafted somewhere, I assume, but I don't know. Nineteenth round. Yeah, I, to me that football guys drafts. To me, it seems early to take a third tight end on a team. I mean, even in a tight end premium, I don't know. I don't quite get that. Uh, in the 19th round, there's got to be some other. Uh, who's the guy from Cincinnati? Uzuma? Maybe is he round? Yeah. Well, you know, we heard about the crappiest tight ends in football. <laughs> I mean, he might be one of them. But I mean, he's the starter for that team, right? Right. So yeah. You never know. He could. He has a better shot, in my opinion, than Braid of being ending up, you know, really returning a lot there. I, I, in my opinion. Todd Burroughs actually was on this program last week. He talked about Caden Smith, the backup tight end for the New York Giants behind Evan Ingram this year. He is actually going right at the same spot as Cameron Bright. You might be better off using a pick on Caden Smith than you would be on Cameron Bright. Yeah, I mean, I, although Bright, one would argue, is a better player overall, uh, and he's actually proven to be a good player. But And Gronk gets hurt all the time, and Howard has underperformed. Talent-wise, who do you view as a better player, you personally, not taking into what Tampa thinks? Do you think Cameron Bright or O.J. Howard is the better player? I think Howard's a better, the better player and better talent. Okay. I mean, as far as actually playing football, maybe Brait is. I mean, he may be the better overall player, but as far as from fantasy, I mean, Howard has – it could – the light could turn on for him. He has a much, much bigger upside. Just like with Njoku in Cleveland, 
uh, he's still a young player that you know came out early, and he hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. They brought in Austin Hooper. There's still a chance that Njoku kind of breaks out now. I mean, and for all we know, Hooper could have been more the product of the high-volume passing offense to the Falcons. Which, which is why we both like Hurst, yeah, right? which is why we like Hurst. One of the reasons we like Hurst on top of him being a, you know, a highly drafted player yeah. and talented. Um, yeah, as for me, it's like if you want to take a shot on Brayton the 19th, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. But like Dave said, it's, you're taking a third-string tight end with one of your um, draft picks in a 20-round draft, you're trying to win $500,000. Could it work out? Yeah, I guess it could. But a lot of things might work out at that level, too. So I'd be much more likely to sink a 14th-round pick on O.J. Howard as opposed to a 19th-round pick on Cameron Bray. Not normally what I would say on this show, but I think this is, uh, this is how I feel about this particular situation. Jim Wyatt, who writes for the Titans, uh, he tweeted this out. Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith said Derrick Henry's workload for this upcoming season, upcoming season, quote, depends on how games go, which is very interesting. Derrick Henry who led the uh, NFL in rushing last year, 303 carries, uh, had uh, 83 carries for 446 yards and two touchdowns in the postseason last year as well. Now, he's only caught 38 balls in his last 34 games, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be heavily involving Derrick Henry in the passing game this year, Dave. For Dynasty, Darrington Evans got some attention. We talked about this with some of our guests this year, the, the uh, backup running back for the Titans. What about in redraft? The assumed backup. The assumed backup. Okay, so this is a commentary. He's a rookie. He is a rookie. Are you, uh, and I'll tell you his ADP right now as far as uh, football guys drafts go over the last week, he's a 13th round pick. Um, To me, I'll tell you this right now, I would totally invest in a 13th round pick in Evans, um, not necessarily just because of his pass catching acumen, but because they don't have a ton of options behind him. Uh, I think a 13th round pick on Darrington Evans makes a lot of sense, whether you own Derrick Henry or not. Yeah, I actually agree. I'm just, I just pulled up the depth chart. So that's what I was about to do. It's, okay. it's, it's really dire. I'm surprised. I mean, this is a team that actually could be a Devonta Freeman, you know, looking at Devonta Freeman. Actually, LeSean McCoy, maybe. Sure. Actually, it makes some sense. Uh, right now, Dalvin Dawkins, Dalen Dawkins, Sean Wilson, Scenery, Perry, and Kari Blazen game. Are there, that's, so, I mean, that's really, really bad. I mean, so even right now, Evans is, in my opinion, by far the, the number two back. There's no, those other guys are terrible. Uh, Stuart Three in the chat room right now also saying that uh, Evans is a good 13th round value in football guys. I don't know if you have any feelings on this, Dave, but to me, types guys like this, whether it's 13th round, 7th round, they always seem to move quite a ways up once we hit mid-July, late July. So you see a lot of those guys going like the 10th, 11th, 12th. Yeah. And you see a lot of uh, – running back runs in that range right, where people are trying to square up their fourth and fifth backs. Right. Um, yeah. I, 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 that's actually a spot where you can pick off some wide receivers, in my opinion. Uh, one thing I was going to say is uh, I, I think, I think Henry, he really, if this coach, I think this is just coach speak, but if it is actually somewhat accurate, Henry's really being overdrafted. You really have, you're drafting him at a ceiling in the, in that first round. But I, I actually do think it's totally coach speak. And I, I still don't mind Henry in that late first. Uh, yeah, 108 is where he's going right now as the sixth running back off the board. And just to drive Dave's point home here about receivers that you can get at the uh, spot that Darrington Evans is going, right above him, John Brown, Antonio Brown, Anthony Miller. I really like two of those guys. Um, and then right after him, you have Sammy Watkins, Michael Pittman, and Paris Campbell. That's interesting that Pittman and Campbell, real-life teammates, are going essentially back-to-back in the end of the 13th round. You like Campbell better there as as the 
quote unquote slot guy for Indianapolis this year, or do you like Pittman? I would actually much prefer Watkins over either of those guys. I mean, Watkins crushed it in the Super Bowl. He was actually really productive in those playoff games. Uh, he signed a he, he signed a reduced contract, if I remember correctly, but he's still with the team. He's going to be the number, granted, the number three guy for targets, but it's a super high volume offense. Yeah. I think Watkins has a shot to be a I don't know seventh year come, <laughs> breakup comeback from the comeback. I don't know whatever the hell you call it. But I think Watkins is all right. I mean, in that range, uh, and he's a plug and play. You could throw him in during a bye week, and not have to worry about just you know looking at some of these Indianapolis guys. They uh, they're going to re- they're not even going to rename an award. They're going to come up with an award for whatever Sammy Watkins is about to win this year. I would prefer Paris Campbell with a lot of those two. Campbell guys. over Pittman. You yeah, don't I mean, like Pittman. Again, why, I don't. It's rookies. I mean, rookie. I don't want any rookies. Is this a commentary just on rookies in general, or rookies this specific off season? Uh, this specific offseason. Okay. Uh, and Pittman in, in general, I, was, I don't remember what the article was, but the Rotoviz had some article about it. It was one of their adjusted production index, yada, yada, yada. And Pittman did not perform well in that. Mm. He, didn't, he didn't come out looking all that great. Um, let me throw this at you. This is something that you and I have not discussed on or off air. We are both of the opinion that uh, the, the Ballyhooed rookie class this year in Dynasty Leagues, both running backs and receivers, there stands a decent chance that these guys are going to underperform this year. Maybe the time it, to strike uh, while the iron's hot is after the 2020 season, and you can cash in on some pretty good values with some of these rookies that are maybe destined to under, underperform this year. Sure, that makes sense. Or seventh, eighth, ninth week, depending upon what your team is doing. And if, uh, if, if those other people have playoff teams and they're willing to deal their right. young guys for veteran talent. Yeah, and, and you could end up uh, getting a guy who's going to be a big contributor in 2021 for sure. All right, back to Tampa, profootballtalk.nbcsports.com. Let's get to this thing with uh, Bruce Arians uh, out here. He said uh, if they were to add Devontae Freeman, it was going to be if his price tag was reasonable and that Arians is asking for a lot of money in Tampa because of the signings of obviously Brady and Rob Gronkowski et al. They don't have a lot of money. Now, Tampa already has Ronald Jones. They have Kashawn Vaughn, who they sunk a, a third-round pick into. And Dare Ogunbowale, who is the pass catcher du jour that a lot of high-stakes players were in on in 2019. They're all there. We already mentioned LaShawn McCoy. He's out there. Lamar Miller is out there. Dave, to me, what this is uh, suggesting is uh, Ronald Jones and Kashawn Vaughn might be fool's gold for fantasy owners this year, given how involved Tampa still seems to be in the free agent marketplace for running backs. Yeah, this is actually a good point, and I, I, I especially think that's the case with Kashawn Vaughn, uh, that he's being just way overdrafted and redraft. But even Ronald Jones, I mean, clearly the team, the coach, the team, they don't. it doesn't seem like they like him. He's just like a guy they just have hanging around. Uh, they don't want him there. Either they don't want him or they just don't think he's that talented. I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, but I, don't, I, I wouldn't surprise me for them to sign Freeman or Lamar Miller. That's actually a good one to bring up, too. It were Gumba Wale, where is he? Like 23rd or something? Uh, I'll look it up Wait, right now. Well, th- that's, that's for best ball. I, I was, as, as far as um, FFPC uh, football guys drafts over the last seven days, he is going in the 19th round. Yeah, I mean, so, I can see that. Um, this is something that we should bring up. Lou Tranquilli, good friend of the show, good friend of you, good friend of me. Um, he has co-hosted this show. He's been on the road of his high stakes lowdown before. Uh, all right, let's just get up. You know, you don't need to get all this stuff here. We were talking to him. I, I don't think this is on the BFD podcast. I think this is on our show. And we're talking about rookie running backs with him because he's a, a very successful dynasty player. And we we're like, well, how long do you give these guys, Lou, before you label them a bust or a hit? Uh, do you give them one year? Do you give them two years? 
And Lou said something like, I give him like six or seven games, and then that's it. And then I can kind of tell after that. The Buccaneers have given Ronald Jones well over six games. They may already have an idea in mind of this guy, and he's going to be a complimentary piece. Tampa did not have a second-round pick this year, so their second pick that they used was on Keshawn Vaughn, Mm -hmm. which I think tells us what we need to know about Ronald Jones and that Buccaneers running game uh, as well. We have uh, Craig Bowden-Miller right around the corner here. Last thing I want to bring up is, speaking of Tom Brady's old team, the New England Football Patriots. Last year in 2019, Sony Michel led all NFL running backs with a touch rate of 63%. He had 40 more carries last year than he did as a rookie, but his yards per carry actually dropped 0.8 yards from 4.5 to 3.7. Dave, in, FF, or in uh, football guys drafts over the last seven days, right now Sony Michel is going on average as the uh, running back 36 at the 807. Given his high volume, does this suggest to you that you should be investing in him there, or are you still avoiding him looking for a higher upside type player? I, I think when you look at Sonny Michel, he's splitting time. He's not been very productive. He does get a lot of carries. I mean, the one, I guess, argument you could make for Sonny Michel is that uh, by losing Tom Brady that they might lean on the running game more, and they might just try and do a lot more ball control. I mean, that seems like Belichick is going to be a game planner, so this might be more of a Sonny Michel year. Um, but – I don't know. I just I I don't think he's all limited upside, right? Yeah, limited upside. He's a two down back, and he's not out there that much. And you know, averaging what he averages per carry, he's just not doing all that well. Uh, I'm just not. I guess I'm not that interested. Even though his his price and value, you know, price is depressed. He's like mm-hmm. four ounces cheaper than he was last year. So bizarre too, because this is a guy that was like the consensus 102 in dynasty leagues uh, just a few or a couple of years ago. Um, quick, would you rather with him? Would you rather have Sony Michelle or his real life teammate James White? For redraft. I'd rather have White and PPR. Uh, Marlon Mack or Sony Michelle? By the way, I agree with you on White. Um, I'm really not interested in Marlon Mack. I feel like he's going to lose his job to Taylor, so I guess I'm going Michelle then. I agree. Um, here's an interesting one. Sony Michelle or Matt Breida, the new Miami Dolphin? He has to deal with uh, Jordan Howard. Breida's going to be the pass catcher out of the duo and probably not the goal linebacker. Um, yeah, that's a little tough for me. So I, don't, I don't think Breida's all like I'll take Michelle. I would take Breida. Is it worth betting on or no? Um, Between Breida, is it a coin flip for you? I don't want to bet if it's a coin flip. I still like to bet $5 on Sony Michelle, a player I can't <laughs> Right. You yeah. look back and I'll be like, why did I bet on a player this, this guy I don't like? What about a guy we were just talking about, Ronald Jones or Sony Michelle? You going to take Michelle? I would take Rojo. Um, Sony Michelle or Carrion Johnson, who has tumbled after the addition of I'll DeAndre Swift. Michelle. Okay. I think that's good enough. I think I think we've given the listeners an idea right, here. Yeah. Let's yeah, get it. Please get our guest. Yeah, let's get our guest on here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to bring him on right now. He's a six-time title winner in FFPC dynasty leagues, as well as a league champ in three times. Uh, excuse me, three times over in the Football Guys Players Championship. He joins us tonight on the HSFF Hour to talk about how his Football Guys drafts have turned out thus far. So, uh, in the summer of 2020, please welcome onto the program Craig Bowden Miller. Craig, thanks for coming on to the HSFF Hour, man. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me, and I've been a fan of the show for the last few years now. We, we can't express our gratitude enough. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are you friends with former guest of the show, Brian Valenti? Uh, yes, I am. Yep. Yeah, Brian and I, and I have actually partnered with a few dynasty leagues, and last year we even partnered with one of our main events. Interesting. Okay, and you guys have had a lot of success, obviously, in dynasty over the, league, over the years, clearly. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very good. He's 
gives me a different perspective on different players and, and things that I don't normally think about. So he, he's, a, he's a good partner. All right, so before we get into the fantasy football portion of the show, uh, Craig, can you tell us what you're doing for a living? I am actually the vice president of our family-owned water treatment company, and about eight months ago I created a sister company um, that blends and sells its own industrial water and wastewater treatment chemicals. Holy cow. This is Well, I have no knowledgeable <laughs> questions to ask on that. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> it's not really a business that many people get into or, you know, it's just one of those niches where, you know, it's, when you're going to college or thinking of a career, that's not something people jump into. Well, you know, that's a good thing, though, because you don't run into a lot of competition. You probably have a wide moat around your business. I mean, there's not a lot of, I mean, to use a water I term. was going to say, nice <laughs> job, Dave. Thank you. It wasn't even on purpose. Um, that's good. I mean, yeah, congratulations. I'm sure that's it's, it's not a watered down industry, is what you're oh saying, Dave. Oh my god. Anyway, let's, <laughs> I'm going to ask a real question. Oh man. Um, let's move forward, please. So you saw some football guys drafts already this year. We're going to talk redraft. Uh, in one of them, you had the 502 pick, and you know you're looking at a tight end. You had the chance to take Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby, or Darren Waller as your top tight end. Why did you go with Waller there out of those three? Um, honestly, it was a pretty easy decision for me. Um, Waller was the end of, a, of the tight end tier. Um, I had him a tier above where Ingram and Higby are. Um, I, just, I just think with Oakland only bringing in rookie wide receivers, he's going to have another great year. I could see him being in a, a top three tight end again. Um, Ingram, I, I really like his potential. Uh, I just don't trust him at that ADP. And then Higby is just somebody that I've been fading um, I, I don't want to draft somebody that high that, you know, only had five or six good weeks last year. Um, if he fell, you know, back into the 10, 11 range, that's probably where I would take him. But, you know, in that fifth, sixth round range is somewhere I'm not considering him. Craig, knowing that um, the, the Raiders largely invested in rookies at wide receiver this year with, with Ruggs, with Bowden, with um, Brian Edwards, um, if you own Darren Waller in a dynasty league, is now the right time to sell him or would you wait until after what you think is going to be a productive 2020 and then sell him for a pick or a player? When's the right time to do that? I think it just depends on how your team is set up. Um, if you're, if your team is win now, I would definitely, I would keep him this year because I think he could help you win the championship. Um, if you're kind of borderline on whether you can compete or you're looking to rebuild, then now is definitely the time that I would, I would start looking to trade him. Craig, in that same football guys draft we, we, we just referenced regarding Waller, you had also selected Damian Williams at the 702. Now, in that same draft, Clyde Edwards-Alaire went at uh, the 205. Why do you think there's still some draft value with Williams in the seventh after the Chiefs went out and sunk a first-round pick into the rookie rusher from Louisiana State? Well, Damian Williams hasn't been someone that I've been going out of my way to target um, in that particular draft. I took him at 7-2, and I passed on him in other drafts where, you know, he's been going later. But it's just the way I was building that team. I felt he had the most upside out of all the running backs that were going in that area. Um, I, and I'm, I've also been fading Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at his particular draft. You know, the middle of the second, I just can't get behind. Um, and I think Damian Williams – if, if something happens to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire where, you know, he doesn't perform or he gets injured, uh, Damian Williams, I think, could, could win you the 500K at his current ADP. 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing to, to, to think of because oftentimes in the seventh or eighth round, we're not thinking about drafting handcuffs there. Um, but he's not necessarily a handcuff. He could be the guy, as you pointed out, and I bring this up with the Arian Foster-Ben Tate discussion from, you know, uh, I guess I'm, it's a, six or seven years ago now. But a guy that, that you don't necessarily um, w- would think of as being a difference maker for your team, on, you know, it would require an injury uh, ahead of him. And if that happens, now all of a sudden you're flirting with a top five fantasy back. I don't know if Damian Williams would be a top five fantasy back, but he'd certainly pay off seventh round value if Clyde Edward Tiller is either A, a bust, or B, uh, getting hurt in that, in that Chiefs offense. It makes a lot of sense. Dave, do you think you're going to have any Damian Williams uh, on your teams this year, given where he's going right now at that price tag in the seventh round? Uh, it's possible. Uh, you know, I, I see the argument. I definitely... I'm pretty sure I won't have Edwards Hilaire. Unless, oh, I won't either. Unless, depending, you know, I, it, I guess it just depends if preseason or something happens, news happens, whatever. It's possible. Right. Yeah. Not likely, though. No, exactly. So, and, uh, Eric, to kind of expand on what you were saying, you know, Damian Williams could be the starter. Typically, if at that right. early, I will not draft somebody that's just going to be a handcuff, but he has the potential to be a starter. So that's one reason why I consider Damian Williams in that range. Well, and let's throw this out there, too, as long as you bring it up, Craig. This is a good point. What if Edwards Hilaire, you know, what if they get to camp late, there's not much of an off season, and he's just, he looks like a lost orphan out there, a lost child, doesn't know where he's going. And Damian Williams comes in, and he looks great. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting a running back who could be a top 10 guy in the seventh round or in the eighth round, and that could pay off huge. Um, and conversely, if you took Edwards Hilaire in the second or third round, now you're really behind the eight ball. So I, I think as far as, upside goes there's certainly much more of it in the seventh round with Williams than there is with Edwards Hilaire in the uh, second round speaking of upside Dave there's a receiver out there that I haven't really targeted but some some people like Craig have taken him what do you think about this guy let's talk about him yeah uh, he's got some upside he's got some downside his name is Antonio Brown former uh, guy looked like he was destined for the hall of fame and uh, now he's a street free agent uh, you took him with a 10-11 in one of the football guys' leagues. That seems early. Valky ADP? Uh, I'll bring it up. I don't think it was that far off, though. Um, as far as the last seven days go, this is sure. a little bit different. But as far as the last seven days go with Antonio Brown in uh, football guys' drafts, he is going at the uh, 12-08. He's gone as high as the 10th round. All right. So we'll, a tat, teensy bit early, but not, not, much, too, not yeah. too bad. Um, so why'd you, uh, what was the deal? You took Antonio Brown. You think he's going to be coming back. He's going to sign with some team. Someone, uh, Russell Wilson's going to convince his coach to sign him or something. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, usually after the 10th round or, you know, after the ninth round, I'm looking for somebody that, you know, is going to help me win that 500 K. And I think that's one of the things I learned last year doing the main events is I was just drafting to win the league. I wasn't drafting to who's going to help me win the 500 K. And if that was at that, ADP. Usually I don't take him until like the 13th, 14th, 15th round. Um, but in that particular draft, there was a couple guys drafting after me that I highly respect in, you know, the FFPC um, redraft league. And I, I, would, I would kick myself if I found him at that point and one of those guys got him and he came back and, and just dominated. So I did take him a little earlier than normal, but that's because I, I didn't want to have those guys get him and then midway through the season um, be regretting not taking him and letting him slip to those guys that are, um, you know, usually the ones at the top of the leaderboard in the main event or the football guys. 
Craig Bodenmiller, a nine-time High Stakes Fantasy Football League champion, joining us here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Let's get into a philosophical question about this Antonio Brown selection. Craig, when you're drafting a football guy's team and you get, say, six or seven picks in and you can kind of see what type of team it is, whether it's a safe team, whether you, you've drafted some explosive guys with you know, maybe some low floors but very high ceilings, do you start switching your strategy, you know, six or seven rounds, ten rounds in, where you you start looking, you know, for all ceiling guys to try to take a chance at, at having a really good shot in that three-week championship sprint to win that half million dollars? Yes, Eric, that's exactly what I do. It's usually about the first six, seven, eight rounds, I'm looking for safe floor guys, guys that I know are going to produce, that I can plug in my starting lineup, and I know they're going to, they're going to do well for me. Usually after that, I'm looking for high upside guys, guys that, um, again, last year's main event, I, I, I think I did two and I got third place in one and fourth place in the other, but I didn't, I never felt like I could win the 500K. So this year I'm kind of switching it up and, you know, going for those high upside guys and guys that could, I don't want to just win the league. I want to go for the 500K. So I'm trying to get those younger guys or anybody that could, I feel could help me win um, the whole thing. We, uh, we often talk about handcuffs on this show, and over the last few years, well, even more than the last few years, it's probably been six or seven years, um, it has evolved in just taking high upside running backs that happen to be backups, even if they're not your handcuff. And in one of your leagues, um, I, I want to talk about a couple of the guys you went with. A.J. Dillon, who is going to be a backup to Aaron Jones in Green Bay, and then Boston Scott if he makes the team, which I was surprised that that was even a thing. But apparently he um, is going to be a backup to Miles Sanders in Philadelphia. Uh, let's, let's talk about um, assuming in, in this philosophical question, you don't own Aaron Jones, you don't own Miles Sanders, and you can only draft one of these guys in a football guys league. Would it be Dillon or would it be Scott? For me, it would definitely be Dylan. Um, I'm, I've been very high on Miles Sanders, and he's a guy that I I was targeting early and often in my football guys draft until his ADP jumped up to where it is now. And now it's kind of in the area where um, there's other running backs I like just as well as him, so I've been changing it up some. Um, but Aaron Jones, I think he's going to regress some. Last year he scored a lot of touchdowns. This year I, he's going to that number is going to come down, and I think that's going to be due to Dylan. So Dylan the one that I would take over Boston Scott. Dave, you agree with that? Dylan over Scott? That's where I stand. I, I like Dylan quite a bit over Scott. Yeah, I mean, even if there's a 10% chance of cutting of Scott getting cut, then that automatically makes Dylan the winner for me. I wonder who the guy to target is in Philadelphia if they cut Scott. I mean, it's I guess it's Corey Clement or somebody like that. Miles Sanders. Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, that is accurate. No question. Um, speaking of first-round running backs, let's talk about another polarizing one, Dave. Yeah, speaking of Miles Sanders, he's right in that neighborhood of uh, you know him. Uh, you see Derrick Henry there. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other players that go there. Anyway, but you took Kenyon Drake at pick 107. And I've seen Drake going in that the mid to late first round. With That's some, Mixon some territory, too. Yeah, Mixon has yeah. been actually a really popular uh, pick, especially for high-stakes guys, the, the people out there. There's a lot of Mixon lovers. Anyway, so sell us. We're, you know, we're at your... Uh, your water treatment plant, and we're you know, we're looking for, you're looking for a, to decide if we're going to have you treat our water. Sell us on Drake. Right. It has nothing to do with that. I don't know. I don't know where that. No, I like from. the analogy. If you could sell us on Drake, you could sell us on a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how well this is going to sell you, but the reason I took Drake that early is because I was using the 26ers ADP. 
<laughs> Here we go. This is good stuff now. Now we're on to it. No, I, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, I took Drake that early because I think he's going to be a bell cow and could produce top five running back season if he stays healthy. Um, I, there's also a situation where I've been drafting the back half of the majority of my football guys' drafts. I think I've drafted seventh twice, eighth once, then tenth twice. Uh, so I was just looking to change it up, and he's a guy that I was ch- targeting in the early second, but I still like him even in the mid to late first. So I, I wanted to change it up some, and that's why I took Drake. Uh, so let, let's talk about this uh, a little bit because we just talked about Miles Sanders. Over the last seven days, Miles Sanders going at the 109, Kenyon Drake at the 112. You talked about how Sanders' ADP has really jumped. If you have the opportunity to take either one of them, let's say at the 109, are you still going Sanders? Or would you skip the position entirely and hope Drake or somebody like that falls to you in the second round? No, if I'm on the clock at, at one nine and Sanders is still available, I'm going to take Sanders. Okay. Usually if I'm at, at the one seven, if somebody like a Henry or a Kamara or somebody like that, that's where I, my Sanders um, love starts to go die down a little bit. All right, so uh, it makes sense there. Um, Dave, do you have a, an opinion between Drake and Sanders this year since they're roughly going at the same spot? I would take Sanders. Really? Because you, you were a guy that, that a couple of years – or a couple of years – a couple of weeks ago was saying that, well, you're still a little bit worried about the RBBC in, in Philadelphia. And maybe... I am. I am coming around a little bit on it, but, I mean, the Boston Scott rumor is a little something. Uh, but I think there is a possibility that Sanders is just really, really, really talented. And I think I, – I not that Drake's not – uh, but he never – it's different that he, you know, he, he went from one team to another, which I usually take as a, a, somewhat of a red flag. And uh, he, was a, he was drafted, I think, running, what, the 40th or 50th pick overall. Yeah. Never carried the load at Alabama. Nope. Is that right? Correct. Um, so Sanders, I, Sanders, I think, is more of a possible three-down league winning, possible 500K winning back, whereas I don't quite see it with Drake. And the Eagles, I like their team and offense better. I think it's a better overall coaching I think the GM is better. I mean, not that that's the hugest. Well, deal, that's, there's something to be said for that, though. Yeah. Um, I read a stat uh, with football guys today that, and I can't remember all the old-timey guys, but there was like a hand, there was like five or six players in the history of the NFL that ran at running back, that ran for at least 800, I think I'm citing this correctly, that ran for at least 800 yards and received at least 500 yards in their rookie year. And it was guys I never heard of, but then Edger and James was on there. Um, Marshall Falk was on there and Miles Sanders was one of those players as well. So there, there's certainly something to be said for Sanders, as Dave said, a potential half million dollar league winner. I mean, a half million dollar grand prize winner. I, I, I think that, um, you know, people are going to rip anybody who takes Miles Sanders in the first round, but at the same time, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to win a 12 team league? You're trying to win a $500,000 grand prize. And I think that that is the goal with everyone. And I think Miles Sanders represents more upside than Kenyon Drake there. Uh, Craig, let's talk about Stefan Diggs because he has switched teams. He was in Minnesota. He's in Buffalo. He doesn't have to switch out his wardrobe. It's still cold weather in both cities. It's, it's a blessing in disguise for Diggs. He is uh, uh, a guy that, um, kind of goes to an offense that might be a little bit lower pass volume than what he experienced uh, last year. Why did you like him at, at the uh, 606 in a recent football guys draft as the 27th receiver off the board there? Well, that's pretty much exactly why I liked him as, as the 27th receiver off the board. I think he has top five or 10 potential. So in the middle of the sixth round, um, it was kind of a no brainer for me. 
Um, I think Josh Allen, I think he takes a step forward. Um, I know the Bills are they don't they're not pass heavy, but um, I think Stephon Diggs will will easily surpass what his ADP is right now. I think he'll be a top ten, top fifteen wide receiver this year. Is John Brown then a, a guy to avoid in the in the twelfth round of football guys draft, given that he and Diggs do a lot of, of the same things? Are you skipping Brown this year? Uh, I'm not completely skipping him. I think I have one or two shares of, of John Brown, but he's not somebody that I'm actively targeting. Um, you know, if something happens to dig, Brown's going to be the, the go-to guy again. So I have grabbed a couple shares of him, but Diggs is the one that I would much rather prefer to have on my team. I, I, feel, I feel like that uh, the Diggs, people kind of overreacted and, and pushed, have pushed Diggs way too far down. I actually I, I I think agree with so everything too. you just said. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and the other I, thing they keep in – go ahead, Craig. I agree with that. I think by the time the season starts, I think he's going to be a late fourth, early fifth-round pick. So that's easily going to be at least a round above where he's going now. I'll cite football guys again, too. Uh, Josh Allen, one of the more accurate deep passers. We already talked about how strong his arm is. And, and we saw it in action last year with John Brown. He, he was very successful. And the thing is, is like – Diggs is sort of a rich man's John Brown. You know, he runs the full route tree and he runs it well. So I, I think when you when you transplant a guy like Diggs from Minnesota to Buffalo, in Minnesota, remember, Adam Thielen was getting targets all day. Diggs didn't always get a ton of targets. In Buffalo, he's going to be the man um, as far as the wide receivers go, and it certainly makes a lot of sense that he would be targeted a lot and helps that Buffalo uh, offense go. Uh, Dave, another question for Craig here? Yes, sir. Did you have anything to finish up with on digs there craig or or, or did bulky do it all for us sorry yes i might have <laughs> no that was pretty much it for me on digs I, I just middle of that sixth round with all those other receivers i think he has more potential than you know i think debo's going around that area Devontae parker um digs is just usually the one i prefer in that area although chark is is pretty close i also like chark yeah chark that's cool. Um, yeah, we actually, I think, you know, we have an email coming up on DJ Chark, um, but let me ask you this right now. I mean, Chark is going ahead of Diggs. When you look at that situation in, in Jacksonville, Craig, um, where you have Gardner Minshew in year two, and, and, you know, the Jaguars did draft LaVisca Chenault, but he seems more of like a, um, a jack-of-all-trades guy rather than like a true number one. Chark was awesome, like the first month and a half, maybe two months of the season. You see him being more of that receiver in 2020, um, or do you think he's going to take a backseat to guys like Westbrook and Chenault over the course of a uh, of the season this year? No, I think he's he's going to do the same thing as he did last, but during that month and a half last year. He, honestly, he reminded me of Allen Robinson and Allen Robinson's first year with Jacksonville. So I'm actually pretty excited about Chark this year. Yeah, and they're actually talking about moving Chark around, actually, instead of just playing outside, throwing him into the slot and doing things like effectively making him one of the top playmakers in the offense. I, I always love that, too, because now, regardless of how talented you think he is, now you know how the coaches feel about him. Exactly. And, and, and then you get to bump him up. Yeah, it's not coach speak either. Go ahead, Craig. No, no, I'm just agreeing with what Eric was saying. Yep, cool. All right, we're moving on. Finally, we're moving on. <laughs> um, all right, so – by the way, Balky, get the mute button ready. Okay, I'm getting it ready. All right, you've been a big drafter in the football guys' slow drafts. Uh, can you tell us what you like about that format as opposed to the standard 60-second clock? And let me tell you, if you say that there's a huge advantage 
uh, I'm gonna get all these people pissed off about how many we offer these soul drafts. So you know, keep it, you know, keep it, keep it clean here. <laughs> um, I actually think there's a disadvantage to doing the six-hour uh, flow draft, but I'll, I'll get into that. Um, basically, for me uh, personally, I like the slow drafts for convenience. Um, I have three young kids, and last year it seemed like whenever I sat down to do one of the fast drafts, my kid would fall off its scooter or something would happen where I'd have to go <laughs> deal with them. So it, it for me it just works out better. But um, honestly, I think you're kind of at a disadvantage because during those fast drafts you have, you know, other players. Obviously you've got your, your, your badges, your players that are very good, but then you also have lesser experienced players where if they get sniped, it's harder for them to recover and determine which way they want their team to go in a 60-second or 90-second clock, where in the sixth hour, if that happens to them, they've got a few hours to really think about the next player they want, what direction they want to go. And then they can even look at your team if, they're pick, if you pick right after them and say, okay, um, this guy's needs a wide receiver here, so I'm going to grab the best available wide receiver. Or kind of like we've discussed, um, teams starting out like Kelsey – Hill and then looking to get Mahomes. If in a slow draft, if you start out Kelsey and Hill, um, and Mahomes is coming available, the guy has more time to see that you're obviously going to take Mahomes. So I think that there's kind of a disadvantage to doing those slow drafts. Let me ask you. This will be a real quick question, just a general format. You always want to get your opinion as a player. So in, in um, you know we were we're trying to decide about when to cut these things off, and one of our concerns is. Uh, offering slow drafts during, you know, in the middle of August during preseason games and preseason action. But one way we thought to kind of, you know, mitigate that is just get rid of the six hours and only have the two hour option. Because then you can't have people parking, you know, I guess technically you could park on the clock for two hours on a Thursday night or a Friday night, but it's just not quite the, you know, it's not like a six hour where you could take up the whole evening. I mean, what's your, what's your kind of opinion on that? Yeah, I actually think that's a great idea to, to actually get away with the six-hour draft at that time because, I mean, I've been in, in other drafts where it's six hours, and like you said, people just camp out there, wait for an injury or something to happen, and then, you know, boom, just because they were holding out the clock, they were able to get that guy. So, you know, I think the, the slow drafts are perfect for the summer, but then once everything starts to ramp up with preseason and everything, um that's probably when I personally will flop over to the, the faster draft. Sure. Okay. All so right. we, we got the Bowden Miller focus group here tonight. Ah, Dave. Great. This Thank is you. good stuff. Yep. Survey of one. The sample size is right where I wanted it. To that be. might be enough. Yeah. One hundred percent people surveyed, Dave. Hey, this is what they're the, saying. The, the peep. Depends on the peep. You're the person. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, Craig, uh, we're talking with Craig Bowden Miller, ladies and gentlemen, a six time uh, high stakes dynasty league champ, a three time football guys. Players Championship League winner on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Craig, let's get to some emails that came in for you tonight. First one is from Alex in Amarillo, Texas. Hey, Craig, do you think – oh, we kind of discussed this to death, but I'll read it anyway. Do you think Miles Sanders is going to be worth the first-round pick this season, or is Philly destined to use a bunch of guys behind Wentz instead? Thanks, man. That is Alex in Amarillo, Texas. I'm going to revise this a little bit here. Craig, given what we've talked about tonight, I want to do a would you rather with you as far as if you're going to take a first round pick in or if you're going to use your first round pick on a running back here this year um, and Miles Sanders is out there, given who else is out there, I want to get your opinion here. So would you rather have Miles Sanders or Derrick Henry? Which one? Uh, I would go with Derrick Henry. 
Okay, Miles Sanders or Joe Mixon? Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, I think you already said Miles Sanders over Kenyon Drake, right? Yep, Miles Sanders. Okay, Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs? Uh, Miles Sanders. Let's branch this out into uh, uh, not just running back. Miles Sanders or Travis Kelsey, who are going basically back-to-back right now? Miles Sanders. And I, I'm, Dave, not I'm actually hoping Philadelphia will bring in a run back to kind of make his ADP drop back, and then I'll, I'll just keep grabbing him at that time. It's, it's kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah, that makes sense. Miles Sanders or Michael Thomas? Michael Thomas. <laughs> I, th- I think I agree with Michael Thomas over Miles Sanders. Yeah, that's cool. It's it's tough to my, – let's branch it a little bit more. Michael Thomas or Derrick Henry? He, uh, ooh, I would take Thomas. Yeah, it's close. The only just top with, running I think I would take Sanders over is probably Kamara. You would take Sanders over Alvin Kamara. That's interesting. Why do you not? Why do you like Sanders more than Kamara? I just think Sanders is going to be the do-it-all back. He's going to get 250 rushes. I think he's going to catch 70 or 80 passes. Kamara, I just with Latavius Murray there and Taysom Hill, I, I don't, I don't like him as much as as I do Miles Sanders. Okay, all right, I get it, and and I get your guys. I love it. This is this is good stuff. From uh, Craig Bodenmiller tonight. Hey, uh, Craig, one more email here we're going to read for you. This is from Charles in Southfield, Michigan. Is A.J. Green a steal this year, or is he bound to disappoint fantasy owners that invest in him? Good luck this season. That is Charles in Southfield, Michigan. And before you answer, I'm going to tell you right now that over the last seven days in Football Guys Players Championship drafts, A.J. Green is the 30th wide receiver drafted at the 701. What do you think about that spot for Green? Uh, I don't mind the spot. I, I haven't been – I probably won't take any shares of him um, pretty much because he's going in the same area as Tyler Boyd, and, and I like Tyler Boyd a lot more than I do A.J. Green. Um, A.J. Green just hasn't been able to be stay healthy. Um, his feet are an issue. Um, and I, I just think that Joe Burrow is going to come in and he's going to start connecting with, you know, the younger players like Tyler Boyd and, and T. Higgins. Dave, I don't know how you fall in on this. It's so interesting because A.J. Green is sandwiched right now in Football Guys Players Championship drafts. And by the way, we get this ADP from FantasyMojo.com, at FantasyMojo on Twitter. Great stuff there to, to deploy this out to fantasy owners. Marquise Brown and Will Fuller sandwich A.J. Green in drafts right now. I'd totally rather have Green than both those guys. But after all three, two guys I'd much rather have than all three of those guys. Jarvis Landry and Tyler Boyd, as Craig just pointed out. Yeah, we don't need to talk about Tyler Boyd, you know, my... I'm you still kidding. love him. I have the whole, yeah. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I don't know why he's going later. I have no idea. I, I wonder if it's because you think the Higgins draft pick has, has bumped him down, Craig? Do you think that that has driven Tyler Boyd's price down, the, the fact that they have Higgins and now Green coming back? Yeah, I do. I, think, I just think that Tyler Boyd is being overlooked. And, and even coming out of college, I was, I was a huge, and, and Brian Valencia, he, he could back this up. I was a huge guy on Boyd. And then I just got impatient, and then I, I dropped him in almost all of my leagues. And then oh, he many people did. Goes, and yeah. I did the, that, that happens to me quite a bit because I did the same thing with players like Devontae Parker and, and players like that. So, yeah, Brian would be able to back that up. I'm not very patient on those, on those wide receivers <laughs> as I should be. <laughs> no, that's cool. It makes sense. I yeah. Mean, really, it does. Um, I, Devontae Parker, I mean, good God, how long can you wait? I, yeah, that's, I, don't, I don't blame anybody who dropped Parker. I, I'm t- yeah. In fact, I actually, you know, this is, this is what a terrible person I am. 
I picked Parker up in one of my dynasty leagues this, uh, this past season. And then he obviously crushed it after Preston Williams got hurt. And then I had the audacity, Dave, I had the audacity to try to trade him for a second round rookie pick um, in, in drafts. And I, and I couldn't, I couldn't get anything for him. No, which, no, no, no. This was this, after, after the 2019 season, I was trading, trying to crazy. Tra- trying to trade him for a second round. Would you, would you yes. give me a second round rookie? Well, I don't know if right I want to trade with you because this is Carrington and you well, usually draft late. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so it's not not My a big team isn't all that great. Um, but by the but, way, Bob, I have to say this to the public, not that I even cares, but Carrington, Balky is assembling a killer dynasty team. I'm really getting pissed off when I look at it. It's better than mine. <laughs> you have said this before, and, and, and it was funny because I thought I was really going to have to take my lumps, and I actually had a shot to win the whole thing last year. Made the playoffs, lost in the first round. Story of my life. But I am excited about this year yeah, with, uh, with the talents I have on this team. Speaking of this year, Dave, one more question for Craig here. All right, we're looking for – I'm going to go inverted here. A player even targeting in the mid to late rounds, you can't say Tyler Boyd. And then a nice. – player even avoiding that gets drafted generally pretty early uh you know you're a sleeper and creeper i guess we'll use a mike nazareth term yeah i like it well one player that i've been avoiding early on in drafts and i think i'm going to be probably by far in the minority here is nick chubb all right i like that and and it's it's because of the kareem hunt aspect right you guys all score by hunt or close to five yeah i mean i I love i love chubb's potential um but with kareem hunt there taking all the passing downs and and him just not being a big ppr back i just i just can't get on board with him in the mid to to early second um if he falls to the late second or early third that's probably where i would consider him but um mid to early second i just i can't take him at at that ADP. There's other running backs and wide receivers that I would rather have than him. Fully on board with that, man. Actually, I, it, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I have a, I'm quite curious, actually, for both of you. I, I, if I, I don't know if I'm right about the contract situation with Kareem Hunt, but I wonder if this is his last year where he could be a free agent, and then Chubb would be next year back to kind of having it all if they if he goes away if Hunt gets picked up by somebody else. Well, I'll tell you before um, before Craig answers that I'll tell you as far as Kareem Hunt's uh, contract goes, he is an unrestricted free agent after this season. Right. So there is nothing to to keep him on the roster. And then that would be the last year of uh, Chubb's of Chubb's deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Interesting. Because Chubb was not a first round pick, so he doesn't have that option. Yeah, it was a four year deal. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. What do you think about him for – what do you think of Chubb for Dynasty? I kind of like him for Dynasty. Craig, what do you think? Yeah, I, I'm definitely on board with Chubb for Dynasty. I, I have quite a few shares of him. Um, and I'll, I'll if anybody's trying to sell him low because they're con- concerned about Kareem Hunt, I will buy him. But in terms of redraft for this year with Kareem Hunt there, um, I, I just can't get on board with him. Okay. And now we're still looking for the dog with fleas. Yeah. No, no, uh, no. That was Chubb. Was the dog? Oh, I'm with sorry. Fleas. The other way. We're looking for the sleeper yeah, here. Yeah, I shouldn't. I shouldn't have done it. Reverse. No, it's fine. I screwed it's myself up. Totally cool. Not Craig's... even drinking tonight. <laughs> screwed up. Craig is going to lay it on the line here. Um, running back, receiver, tight end, any position. Craig, who are you targeting in the mid to late rounds? In the mid to late round, I've I've been targeting Kevin Coleman quite a bit. Um, Raheem Mostert. I, I know he's. A lot of people are expecting him to be the bell cow, and, and you know, but he's another guy that I, I, I'm not sure I can get behind in that four to five range. Uh, I think Tevin Coleman, you know, in ADP he's going at now, I think he's still going to get 150 to 200 touches. And if anything happens to Mostert, um, even right before the tournament, I think he's somebody that could potentially win you 500K. 
Um, so at, at his ADP, he's one of the guys that I'm, I'm trying to target early and often. It's kind of interesting too. You look at where Tevin Coleman's going in football guys drafts. Our, our, uh, excuse me, running back forty-one at the nine oh seven, and this is right around where Alexander Madison is. A clear handcuff to Dalvin Cook, Jordan Howard, who could be the starter in Miami, but is going to cede passing game opportunities to Matt Breida. Tariq Cohen, a guy who's never going to be the number one as long as the Bears have uh, David Montgomery, and Tony Pollard, a guy who is a. I mean, an obvious handcuff to Ezekiel Elliott. Tevin Coleman at that spot makes a lot of sense, given that the 49ers are riding a guy who's been on, I I don't have the exact count. I believe he's been on 57 NFL teams in the last three years, and he's not exactly a young man anymore. So there is certain upside in Tevin Coleman there. Always certain upside anytime we have Craig Bodenmiller come on this show, a nine-time high-stakes fantasy football league champion. Craig, uh, you've, you've crushed it in football guys drafts so far. I know you have more drafts planned this summer. I wish you nothing but the best. Good luck to you. We will all follow you on Twitter at Bodie24. Thanks just so much for uh, coming on the show tonight, man. We really appreciate it and had a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. It was a great time. I'm looking forward to a great NFL and FFPC season. I hope to see you guys in Vegas. You got yeah, it, man. We'll be, we'll be there. We'll, we'll see you there. Craig Bodenmiller, ladies Thanks, and gentlemen, nine-time High Stakes Fantasy Football League champ. That's three times in football, guys, six times in high stakes. You know, him and Brian Volante, Dave, a, a fearsome duo uh, that has won a lot of uh, high stakes dynasty leagues in the FFPC yeah, over, the, over the course of, uh, of uh, more than a half decade now, too, which is good stuff. Do you think, um, you know, I don't want to toot our own horns, so I won't, but I'll say this. I think I have noticed certain ADP changes after we've talked about certain players in the show, you know what? One thing I'm still surprised at, Nick Chubb is still going pretty high, and Kareem Hunt is not going high enough. And I think this is something we've talked about basically every third week on the show for the last two months. Yeah, it is surprising that I that it, it seems to me like I've I think I've looked at enough of these things now where after Hunt it starts to really like the, the like he's seems like the bottom I don't want to say the bottom of a tier but. It just really dries up, like right around, yes. right around him. And then all of a sudden you're at the Carrion Johnson, Marlon Mack suck range, and that's just not where you want to be. You know, you don't want to be there with only, God forbid, you have one running back at that point. Oh yeah. But if you have if you have two, you're kind of okay. But then you're looking at, you know, the Pollards, Daryl Hendersons of the world as your third back, and that's that that's okay if you went really heavy with tight ends and receivers and so on. It, right. It's just a, it's not comfy as you'd like to say. It is not comfy. Um, one of the things I was talking about on the uh, Kentucky podcast uh, this week with Farrell, we were talking a lot about quarterbacks, and I, I, I didn't really, you know, you know, I don't really follow quarterbacks ADP all that much. You know, I'll, I'll take a passing glance here and there. One of the things that kind of surprised me, the quarterback ADP and the Football Guys Players Championship, are you at all surprised that Kyler Murray is not going off until the end of the sixth round as quarterback three? To me, that seems like I, basically what he did last year, and then the fact that he gets DeAndre Hopkins this year, I thought fantasy players and push him up more. I don't know. I mean, how awesome really was he last year? He didn't run the ball that much. And I mean, it doesn't seem like that's part of his game plan. So I don't know. I just, I'm not, I don't mind Kyler Murray. Don't get me wrong, but and he's, he's not, is he quarterback three or four or five? Three. He's three right ahead of uh, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott right and now, then yeah. what, Russell Wilson and Deshaun uh, Watson. Watson right yeah. I don't know. I, to me, you'd rather get Watson or Wilson a round later if you're going to go quarterback there. I have, I'm, I, to me, I've kind of put Murray, Prescott, Watson, and Wilson in that same range. Maybe Watson's a little bit lower, actually. I like Wilson. I do like Wilson, though. You worried about Watson with just Brandon Cooks as his number one this yeah. year? Okay. Yeah. All right. 
Um, we'll get into as many emails as we can in the next couple of minutes here. Mark in Houston, speaking of Deshaun Watson, dear Terrell and Freddie, should I be drafting the past with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson or the future with Jalen Rager when I'm picking Eagles receivers this season? Thanks guys. That's Mark in Houston. Dave, do you have a Eagles receiver you like? I, yeah, I don't can, draft Eagles receivers at nice. all. You don't like any of them. I'm just kidding. So it was between. Well, Jay, okay. Jaylen, I mean, I'm not Jeffrey. No, I mean, I know Jeffrey's insanely cheap. 1411 right now for Jeffrey. Deshaun Jackson is going at the 1403. Actually, I don't mind DJX, especially, you know, everyone says that in basketball, of course. Um, but Deshaun Jackson, I mean, he's actually, he's still super fast. And if he could actually not get injured, but I, I'm sure there's somebody, somebody <laughs> else I probably would rather draft in that spot. Right. Okay. Um, Jalen Rager is the highest Eagles receiver drafted in football I, guys leagues. And I'm the not really Eagles receivers, I don't think. Okay. But. Goddard, Goddard and Ertz and Sanders. Yeah, Goddard and Ertz and Sanders. I mean, that's that's kind of where the playmakers are on that team. I mean, oh. Jalen maybe next year, but not the, not this not year. this year. Not, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm not taking Rager and redraft leagues. What's up, Dave and Balky? Which Texans running back would you rather have this year at their current ADP? David or Duke Johnson? That is Dan in Elmsford, New York. Don't know where that is, but I can tell you where these Johnson boys are going in uh, football guys drafts. Three twelve is running back twenty for David Johnson, Dave, and then Duke Johnson, 10-12 as running back 50. I like David Johnson. Really? At the end of the third? Mm-hmm. Okay. And and do you – I mean, how close – is he a top 10 – or can he threaten top 10 status this year? Oh, how likely is I mean, he? How likely? I'm not sure. Um, 20%. Okay. He's, yeah. I mean, he's going around – there's only 32 NFL teams. Right. A number of them have no shot at a top 10 running back. <laughs> yes, he's, he's had a 411-point fantasy season. Granted, it was a few years ago. The team traded away DeAndre Hopkins for him, so they're going to try and get make some use out of him. He's a, he is a three-down back, uh, and he's there's not a lot of playmakers on the offense. Uh, although, you know, Brandon Cook, speaking of players that are undervalued, Brandon Cook, he doesn't get a concussion. I'm with you. Yeah. I think he's been a top 15 receiver four out of the last five years. Mr. Consistent, Brandon Cook's going at the 807 as wide receiver 37 right now. God, that's insanely cheap. I mean, 37. I mean, he has to really suck to be wide receiver 37. Lightning fast, would you rather with David Johnson here as long as you're talking about Texans running backs? I'm going to bring up the four running backs that are going closest to him in football guys drafts right now. Dave, would you rather? Go ahead. You're going to be Le'Veon Bell. That's one of them. Who would you rather have, David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell? That's actually kind of close. I'll take. Uh, I'm going to. I'll, I'll take David Johnson. I was going to take Bell, but it, but you're right. It's it fine. is close. Okay, David. You want to guess the others, or should I just tell uh, you? Chris Carson. That's I'll, another one. I'll Good take, job. I'll take David Johnson there. Uh, that I would agree with. Johnson over Carson. Those are the two guys um, going right behind him. Can James Connor. That's right. After? Oh, you are dialed in, my friend. Uh, I'll take David Johnson over James Connor. Agree. And, and, the, and the one guy going right ahead of James Connor. Had a Connor. I don't know who that one. He's is. a rookie. Oh, that one. Uh, let's see, Cam Akers. It's not Cam later. Akers. Not Cam Akers. It's the, uh, it's, it's a guy oh, who Jonathan got, Taylor. There you go. He goes Jonathan like Taylor. Seventh or something like that. Running back eighteen at the three hundred eight. Would you rather have Jonathan Taylor or David Johnson? I'll take David Johnson. I agree. There yeah, you go. Like, dude, Jonathan Taylor, there's a lot of risk. Not only is he a rookie, he has the, the team's talking about how he's still only a two down back and he's not even starting. You yeah. Know what I mean, so it's like you have to beat up Marlon Mack. And you have to worry about Naheem Hines, and you have to get yes. him practice time. I mean, it's a- people. People aren't. You know, we talk about Naheem Hines as catching a lot of passes this year. We don't necessarily talk about it in the sense of taking it away from Jonathan Taylor. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And and I think that's something to be concerned about. Love Jonathan Taylor for Dynasty, Dave. Redraft? Mm, I think he might be going a little bit high. 
Uh, let's go to uh, Mike in Oregon City, Oregon. Having a tough time in my football guys drafts this year. Should I go Keenan Allen or DJ Chark? That is uh, Mike in Oregon City, Oregon. He says he appreciates it, Dave. We appreciate his email. Let's so, go with Chark. You're going to go with Chark over Allen because sure. of the Tyrod Taylor factor, or why is that? Yeah, I like Minshew better than Tyrod Taylor. I think Chark still has more upside uh, than Keenan Allen. And uh, that's it, those two reasons. I, you know, I think I'm with you. I wasn't a big Chark guy going into the season. I was, I was actually telling Stuart Three in the chat room tonight about uh, how I wasn't – I'm going to have to reevaluate Chark. I've always liked Keenan Allen. Uh, but I think I have to adjust to the new normal. You have Austin Eckler. They invested in Josh Kelly. They still have Justin Jackson with the Chargers. And Tyrod Taylor, when he was with Anthony Lynn in um, Buffalo, they ran the ball a ton. And I'm not sure Keenan Allen's going to get the volume that he did when Phillip Rivers was slinging the rock there. Final email uh, for us tonight, Dave, and it comes from Paul in Charleston, West Virginia. Between Hilton, Pittman, and Campbell – What's the best draft value for the Indy wideouts in FFPC drafts? You sort of answered this earlier when you said you liked Paris Campbell over Michael Pittman. So let's just pose it to you this way. Who do you like better as far as a draft value? Is it Paris Campbell at the 1311, Dave? Or is it T.Y. Hilton at uh, the 603? So seven rounds of difference. T.Y. Hilton's going off as wide receiver 25. Uh, that's, that's this is a tough, tough. It's a tough yeah. question because okay. I, I don't know how much I really like drafting T.Y. Hilton at the 603, but I don't really know how much I like drafting Paris Campbell late at, that, right. at the other spot. So I don't I don't really care for either one of them, but I guess um, I'd rather, if I'm going to be spending high draft capital on someone, I'll take someone other than Hilton. So then I guess I'll take Campbell, apparently. Sort of my feelings on this. I'll totally take Campbell over Hilton. And not only can I get the potential slot guy in the Indianapolis offense at the 13th round, but if I pass on Hilton, I can get a guy like Devontae Parker. I could get Stephon Diggs. I could get Debo Samuel. The aforementioned Jarvis Landry or Tyler Boyd. Those are guys all going after T.Y. Hilton. You think about the injury risk of T.Y. Hilton there, you're much better off. Um, to, and by the way, both Ravens running backs going at the same spot as T.Y. Hilton. So you could get a share of that Ravens running game instead of Hilton, get one of these receivers on the turn, and then get Paris Campbell later. I think that is how you build a winner in the Football Guys Players Championship, and we have talked about how to build a winner in the fantasy football podcasting industry tonight. How? Don't do what we did tonight. That is uh, the rubric. I want to thank, outside of our guest, uh, of course, who I want to thank tonight, Craig Bodenmiller, uh, who uh, popped on the podcast tonight. Uh, appreciate his uh, contributions. I appreciate Dave Gerzak popping on tonight to uh, talk a little fantasy football as we have our first June fantasy football podcast underway and now out of the way as we move on. We are live next Friday, ladies and gentlemen, at 10-9 Central, four-time Football Guys Players Championship League champs and the 31st overall finishers in last year's competition. David Avedisian and Jeff Hirschhorn will be here at 10-9 Central. We're going to talk to them. Remember, get in on that main event, as well as the Football Guys Players Championship early bird, best ball slims, dynasty startups going off. Get in that midnight Football Guys Players Championship draft. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I'm saying hi to all the duties from around the way. Yeah, cause I got all of them strong jack. My girls are like boomerangs. No matter how far I throw them, they come back. I'm coming straight out to NYC. 
we kind of alluded to it earlier, Dave, but this is the time, uh, you know, before things really start to ramp up and the, you know, sleepers become non-existent um, with Darrington Evans, you know, a guy like the, you can't get um, uh, later on as you could right now. He's the type of guy that you could target and there's nine spots left in that football guys players uh-huh. championship draft at so midnight. Sure. So you can get Darrington Evans right now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, draft starts in 50 minutes. Thanks so much for listening in. We will talk to you again next week. Have an enjoyable and safe weekend.